0: Each year in the UK, the wine trade gets excited about the releases of Burgundy en Primeur. After many trips to Burgundy throughout 2019, we interviewed our buying director, David Roberts, to hear his thoughts on the 2018 vintage and much more. Enjoy. The question about the growing season and did the growers encounter any challenges if you speak to the growers, Actually, they would say it was a really easy season because there was no disease, there was no frost, there was no hail. Um, when they came to the harvest time, the fruit was in wonderful condition. Uh, many of them, they just didn't need sorting tables. The fruit was just wonderful. If you ask the same question to a vine, they would probably say, actually, it was quite tough because they had a very, very wet winter, early part of the year. And then it was incredibly dry. Um, And then you had a very warm, hot um, July, August. So there was a risk for the vines to suffer a little bit from hydric stress. And possibly there was a concern whether it was going to be too hot. So for the vines, it was all about your location. Were you uh, growing the vines on, good soils with good water retention, Uh, were the vines on higher altitude and slightly cooler sites etc. Some of those vines did much better than other vineyards which might have been freer draining soils. So it's all about location, different villages possibly did slightly better than others but um, in general it was a consistent uh, growing season and that um, the fruit was picked in really lovely condition and very good quality fruit. The uh, excess of rain in the winter and the early part of 2018 was hugely important because from April really throughout up to the harvest time, it was incredibly dry. There was a steady amount of rain that fell just occasionally, but there was a concern that there wouldn't be sufficient moisture for the vines and they might suffer from hydric stress. But in actual fact, this wonderful reserve of water that um, came about because of the wet winter meant that nearly all the vineyards were supported by moisture throughout the drier season. So that the worry about hydric stress didn't really come about, although there was obviously a concern. Um, I think in terms of picking dates, I think it's, it's very fashionable to talk about picking dates. And we saw that there was a massive spread. Some of our growers in chambon mussini were picking on the 25th of August, we had other growers in vaughan Romane, so literally uh, two miles down the road, and they were picking between the 11th and the 18th of September. Now, it doesn't mean that there's this um, huge difference of somebody just somebody picks when his fruit is almost verging on being unripe and somebody else picking when they're excessive ripeness. It's, you know, the things that can impact on picking dates are how do you prune your vineyards? Sometimes you can prune in a way, so your uh, budding will be a little bit earlier, which means that your ripening will be earlier. So naturally, your fruit is riper. Likewise, the type of clone or the rootstock that you are using when you're grafting your vines will mean that some vines ripen earlier than others. Other people who pick later, other growers actually used the very hot vintage of 2003 as their guideline. Uh, many growers saw that in 2003, they potentially picked a little bit too early and that the skin tannins and the pit tannins didn't fully mature. So producers such as Etienne Grivo felt that he wasn't concerned about uh, the sugars rising or the acidity falling. The most important thing was to have mature and ripe skin, and pip tannins. So he picked very late. He was also helped by the fact that there was a little bit of rain just before his harvest, which just released the pressure on the vines, gave a little bit more juice. So um, there really is no right or wrong. We had great growers, such as uh, Gisele Mbarteau and Louis Boyot picking very early in August. And we have great producers, such as Etienne Griveau picking very late in the middle of September. Both have made wonderful wines, slightly different in character, but really true and representative of their villages and their vineyards. Yields a, a difficult one to talk about in 2018. As far as the white wines are concerned, it was a very generous vintage. Uh, it was one of the largest crops in the last uh, 10 to 15 years but in fact the higher yields i think saved the wines because it was a hot summer and there is a risk sometimes when it's too warm and too hot that chardonnay can become too ripe and you get these very strong tropical uh, fruit characteristics in actual fact because of the high yields you have some of the ripe, ripeness of fruit. you have these nice white fruit characteristics but the high yields meant that the acidity has been preserved and it just loosens the wines a little bit and it allows the wines to be very representative of their vineyard origin and their appellation and their terroir. And uh, when I was talking to Thierry Pio in Chassain-Morachet, His father likens it to 1982, was one of the highest yielding vintages of the last 50 years, and made some of the greatest wines ever made in Burgundy. So it is wrong just to say, yields and excessive yields produce weaker wines. That's not always the case. And I think for the whites, um, it was their saving grace, these high yields. For the Reds, it's village by village. Uh, Some villages, Produced lower yields than uh, 2017, which surprised me. But then if you think about it, so in Chambol-Moussini, they produced less than in 2017, because in 2016, Chambol had these harsh frosts. So in 17, the vines were really vigorous and they produced more. And in 18, they've produced a normal crop. Um, in Vosne-Romanée, I think some of our growers have produced a little bit more wine in uh, some vineyards and others uh, slightly less. But it's—I don't think it's going to be a year where uh, the yields are noticeably higher on average than 2017 for the reds. Some growers have made some a little bit more wine, but not everybody. 2018 was a warmer year so you have got this wonderful richness of fruit Um, but the important thing is that there's a tannic structure for the red wines which really support that richness and the lovely thing about the tannins are they're not hard tannins they're not uh, coarse tannins they had this fine sandy feel to them so uh, you are aware of them but they're not dominating uh, the richness, and the richness and the alcohol isn't dominating the tannins. And the acidity, although it isn't, ex- it isn't high, is always just sitting there under the wines, and you have this lovely line of freshness. Uh, so I've really felt that the, the reds, whilst they're probably m- stronger in terms of black fruit characters rather than red fruit characters, 2017 was more of a, a red fruit vintage, um, they've got this wonderful ripeness and they're not excessive and they're lovely. And villages such as Gervry-Chambertin, I think, absolutely excelled. We tasted some lovely Pommars and Volnays as well, which show the balance between the the richness of dark fruit characters and subtle freshness. And for the whites, I think it's just a very, very charming vintage, both in Chablis uh, and in the Cote de Beaune. They might not be long-term keeping wines. I suspect the 2017s will age a bit longer than the 18s, but these 18 whites will just give a huge amount of pleasure. They're just forward, they're balanced. They will age a bit, but um, I think their charm is almost their approachability when they're young. I think what makes Burgundy so special for a buyer is that it is a totally unique area. It's a very, very small vineyard region. the Cote de is so oh sorry, the Côte d'Or is such a small viticultural area. The average size of an estate is six hectares of vine, so these estates are making a tiny amount of wine um, and I think they 're wonderfully individual. if you think you have a number of one hundred growers in a village they 're all making wines with their own personality, uh, their own individual characters, and buying en primeur, gives you an opportunity to enjoy and experience these pleasures. And if you don't buy en Prima, the problem is that the wines don't come back on the market. Most people who buy Burgundy, they buy it because they absolutely love it. It is just a sensational drink. Pinot Noir is a very fickle, great variety, but when made well, it makes one of the greatest wines of the world, and Chardonnay. Um, the Côte de Beaune is the home for the greatest Chardonnays in the world. Um, so I think buying Burgundy uh, en primeur uh, does make sense because if you don't buy now, you might not be able to, to to source it in the future because there's so little of it, and sadly, you know, or not sadly, because um, world demand is is expanding, the word for Burgundy is spreading around the world, it's becoming more and more difficult to get hold of. Thank you for listening to The Good House Podcast. Stay tuned for interviews, vintage reports and much more. You can find us at www.goodhouse.com and don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at Good House.